All right, we're live. Hello, everyone. Just checking to see if we're good. Yes, we are live. How's it going, everybody out there? Stephen Ignoramus here. Welcome to Call Me Ignorant, episode number 17. What is today? 6-4-2019, June the 4th, 2019, 10-14 a.m. We are 14 minutes late. Sorry about that. It is the internet. So please, you could be with us. Call Me it's, Call me Ignorant is a live conversation show. Whether with an, an interesting content creator, an expert in a field, a controversial figure, or with a fellow human being trying to spread a message. Uh, Call Me Ignorant will try to solve the problems of the world conversationally speaking. We are streaming live right now to YouTube, Twitch, Periscope, Mixer, and DLive. If you can't catch the show live, you can find it after the fact on the above-mentioned platforms, also on BitChute and FreedomScoot.com. Call Me Ignorant is also available in podcast format on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. You can find me on Twitter at IgnoramusSteve or send me an email at StephenIgnoramus at gmail.com. Topic ideas, questions, and potential guests for the show are much appreciated. Thank you so much for liking, subscribing, sharing, and catching the show live. My guest on the program today is Victoria Irimo. She is a poet, a photographer, and the author of Angel's Trumpet. You can find that book on Amazon.com. You can find her on Twitter at, at Victoria Irimo. Both that and her book on Amazon are linked in the show description. I'm really excited to talk to her today about her craft, her story, and an incident, an incident that happened to her at, at school regarding a poem of hers. Really good to have you on here today. Victoria, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, this is cool. So uh, do you do a lot of interviews? No, no, not, not at, all. at all. Great. I've uh, done a few, but yeah? not not anything like this. All right, sweet. That's awesome. So yeah, we're just streaming live right now, and we got some people in the chat gonna ask some stuff and things like that. But before we get into kind of your art and uh, you know your creation process, things like that, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, like where you grew up, and things like that? So I live in Old Forge, which is near Scranton, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. which I'm sure maybe you've heard from the office. That's what everybody compares. Yeah. It to. Okay. For sure. Um, <laughs> I'm I have a pretty big family so I'm one of six kids in my family Whoa. um so we've yeah we're always just arguing and stuff um <laughs> I'm the second oldest so I'm kind of like I'm the the oldest girl in my family um so I'm kind of an authority figure for my siblings my younger Great. siblings um yeah so uh it's it's kind of a, a super small town it's like known as the pizza capital of the world I think the pizza sucks here I might get shot for saying that, but it's, it's really horrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like it. It's, it's a small, tiny little town. Okay. So you, uh, you, you live in the same place you grew up then? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you, you haven't moved out of the state or anything like that. Wow. No. Cool. Mm -hmm. Nice. That's cool. Do you like that? Or do you wish you would have, uh, I don't know, left at some point and come back, but yeah. How do you feel about that? Um, I, yeah, I kind of wish I, I would have left a little bit. My sister, she went to college in Maryland and she's now, so, she's in love with Maryland. She's okay. leaving here the second she gets her, um, NCLEX results. Like she's going to be a nurse. Mm. So, um, I, I wish I kind of did have that opportunity a little bit, but I I'm happy where I am right now. Yeah. And so you, uh, I don't know, we're going to talk a little bit later about, um, you know, uh, so I think it, ha it happened to you at grad school, right? That's when you, you're uh, undergrad, undergrad. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you're in yeah. grad school now. Okay, great. So. Um, yeah. And so we'll definitely talk about that a little bit later and, um, we'll get into kind of your whole story and stuff like that. But one thing I like to ask all my guests on the show is, um, in your family, did you talk about important issues like politics and culture and stuff like that growing up? Or was it more like, you know, don't talk about religion. Don't talk about who you're voting for. Like what, what was your family like? 
Uh, my family is pretty open with things like this. We weren't we weren't raised being told exactly what to believe, um, but if we wanted to, we were always able to ask questions about politics or religion if we felt necessary. Um, it's it wasn't like hidden from us. It okay. wasn't it wasn't like a don't talk, don't tell type of situation. We were always able to ask questions, and we were able to go and find out what we wanted to believe. Um, we had a lot of freedom with that. Uh, all of us kind of do have similar beliefs. Hmm. Um, there's not one person who stands against beliefs so radically that, you know, they're in a whole different political party. Um, but, you know, we have we have variations with what we believe. And I kind of like that because it, it leaves room for debate, which can make family occasions interesting. But <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. So um, how would you classify your political beliefs? If you were I would that. classify myself as more of a conservative. Okay, definitely. gotcha. Cool. Um, but with some social issues, uh, I'm, I'm more liberal, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, like LGBT party, I don't have anything against anyone. You know, I, I have close friends who are a part of that community. Um, but, and I think, you know, everybody should have the right to get married. I'm fine with all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then with policy, I'm more conservative. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Cool. And so uh, I basically, uh, you know, find found you on Twitter. I mean, I, I don't know how like I think I followed you or something like that. And mm-hmm. I just saw you were an author and I was like, yeah, I want to interview people that are kind of creators and people that have their own work and, out and stuff like that. And um, so what about religion? Were you guys re- raised religious at all? Do you still like practice a certain religion? Uh, what about that? Um, we so when I was in elementary school, we went to Catholic school, um, but we kind of all grew out of that once we hit middle school. Mm. Um, we started going to a, our, our local public school and uh, we all kind of drifted away from religion. So I would classify myself as non-religious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I, I often talk about politics and, and political debates and stuff. And I, I don't often use religion as a basis for debate of tactics. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's effective anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian and, but like so many people aren't, so if you just yeah. say it's, you know, it's because what God, God wanted, like, even if he does, it's kind of like, I don't know, it, 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 it's kind of one of the things I struggle with that it, it, it isn't really a unifying thing, even if it no. unifies other people that are Christians or, you know, we live in a society that's multi-religious. So if you can argue it from, you know, a logical or even just a moral point of view, like, for instance, abortion, I mean, like, I, I, I'm definitely what you call pro-life um, and you know, I would respect the other side a lot more if they just called it morally wrong. But if, if it was mm-hmm. still a thing that they chose to do. But, it, right. you know, to me, abortion is, is clearly wrong. It's it's morally wrong. And whether it's from God or from, you know, uh, like a moral perspective or, or a logical perspective, it just it, it's just kind of wrong to me. So it seems like things that unite us and make sense to everybody mm-hmm. or to most people is kind of the way to go when you're arguing, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, I'm also I'm also pro-life. Uh in every aspect. Um, Mm. and I think I do have a lot of like religious friends and and they use uh, religion a lot in the basis of political arguments, which I understand to an extent because religion was heavily invested in politics in the past. And really, I I still think it has a big effect on morals and how we believe morally, which is where the problem is coming into play when, you know, the the left or pro-choice individuals don't necessarily want to admit that they're doing something wrong when it comes to abortion. I, I don't believe that they think they are. Mm. Um, there's a there's an author who wrote a, an article on the theopolitical problem, the theopolitical uh, 
theological political problem. Mm-hmm. And his name was Leo Strauss, okay. I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he kind of talked about how our biggest issue right now is the position of authority. Like we were given our morality and our moral compass based off of religion in the past that everybody was religious. Mm. Um, now we're kind of losing that. So we don't, it's, I think it's pulling morals from somewhere. We don't have an authority for that. Mm. And that's where our problem is right now. And I think it's going to be difficult to get, get out of this, not necessarily get away from the religious mentality because we do need religion. Um, people need something to believe in. I, I stand by that. And I think it's good for a very, a vast majority of people. Um, but we can't come together with various religious beliefs in the sense of morality now overall, which is why the abortion debate, in my opinion, has gotten so radical. Mm. Um, we don't we don't have a sense of morals, like especially the millennial generation, like my generation. Um, there's there's no moral compass saying, well, you know, it's it's just a fetus. It's not a human life. You know, there's there's. <laughs> When really, I mean, fetus is Latin for small child. So Mm. like it's a lack of education as well as a lack of a moral compass and a moral guide. And I think that we need to kind of focus on finding that, finding an overall authority figure for moral compass. Yeah, it's really hard without God. Yeah, yeah, because it's either like man, God or like, I guess, word like you just Mm -hmm. like it, like language or. You know, it's, it's I, yeah, yeah it's, it has to be something outside of you. I feel like, you know, if it, cause mm-hmm. it, if it, and then you can become like your own God, which that's not good either. Right. And which is, yeah. that's a horrible, that's, there, that's why, abortion, that's why some people think abortion is completely okay. They're, they're, they're essentially playing God, mm. um, which I, I think now really teachers have become the God or the authority figure, which Ooh. is really dangerous. Ooh. And you know, I'm in a, I'm in a graduate program for education right now. Okay. Um, so I'm kind of, (laughs) there's a lot of politics brought into it, like in education as a whole, like, um, you know, when I go and I observe and stuff, I see sly comments about politics and children are very impressionable, Mm. especially at, you know, that age, they spend more time at school with teachers than they do talking to their parents. So I think teachers in a sense have become the new authority figure in regard to beliefs. Wow. That's rough. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's also, there's different levels of authority, you know, like you Mm -hmm. definitely should listen to your teachers. I mean, hopefully if they're good ones, you know, I'm a music educator as well. I teach, you know, Mm -hmm. 50 or 60 music students per week. And, you know, I, I like to think of myself as not in, in authority, but definitely, definitely the authority on music, you know, but, but it's not, you know, I'm certainly not above their parents and I'm certainly not above, you know, their religion and, um, but that's definitely true when you ship someone off for, you know, six or seven hours a day, you know, they're mm-hmm. going to listen to something as kids. I mean, they, they need direction. So it, oh, it's just, yeah, a t- exactly. it's just, it's a ton of responsibility and you know, it's not to be taken lightly. <laughs> yeah. Children. I mean, children seek guidance in any authority figure and a yeah. teacher is an authority figure, especially when you're going. So figure you have 10 periods a day. That's I'm just going off of the local school here. You figure 10 periods and there are 10 different teachers and the vast majority of teachers actually do have the same uh, political beliefs. Mm. Um, so when you go from teacher to teacher to teacher to teacher and they're all telling you the same thing, it's it's something called the reiteration effect. It's a manipulation tactic. Um, when you repeat something so many times and a student hears something so many times, they begin to believe it, whether it's true or not. And that can be very dangerous for mm. our society now and in the future. Oh, so I didn't know you were studying to become a te- uh, studying education. So are you looking at doing a certain uh, grade or age level or what are you looking to do with that? 
Yeah, um, I'm currently getting a graduate degree in both English and in uh, education. So okay. I'll have like a master's of education and a master's of English uh, for secondary education. Okay, gotcha. Cool. All but, right. Yeah. Uh, my, my undergrad was in communication studies. Okay, cool. Wow. And so you're looking to get hired by a school, you know, after you get your master's and then you'll see what happens. Hopefully. Cool. Yeah. Um, if not, I, I was thinking maybe I can fall back on my communications yeah. degree and do something with that cool. uh, for the time being until I can find a teaching position. They're hard to come by where I live. So. All right. Gotcha. So um, so your book, Angels, Angels Trumpet, is a, a mixture of poetry and photography. But um, mm -hmm. yeah. what were you interested in before you got into those? Like, how long have you been writing, first of all? Um. For as long as I can remember, okay. I've been writing. Um, I know it started in depth my senior year of high school. Um, I had like, I've, I'd fallen down the steps at my senior year of high school. So I had a traumatic brain injury. I was out of school for months. Oh, wow. um, I couldn't really read or write. I had to like relearn everything. Oh. Um, and so I kind of, I wasn't allowed to look at any screen. So it was a little bit boring. Uh, I, I resulted to reading uh, and I would start with like, you know, lower education books, like children's books and work my way up because I really couldn't comprehend a lot. Mm. Um, and then I began writing as an outlet. And so I began like working towards my progression and stuff. And, you know, I wasn't even supposed to graduate high school, but um, I think through writing and expanding my writing education and teaching myself that stuff over and over, um, I was able to work towards graduation and then obviously further on from there. Wow. Wow. Do you still have any, I don't know, like side effects from that? Or do you kind of, are you fully recovered from that? Like that must've been a long process. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, it takes years and years wow. to recover. It caused a lot of other issues, but um, so I do still notice some effects. Like if I'm going to the grocery store and I tell myself, okay, I'm going to get three things. I'm going to get eggs, milk, and bread. I'll always forget something. I can't remember lists of three, oh, but no. then if you give me like a long strand of numbers, I can remember them all. Like, I don't know. It's really Whoa. strange. Yeah, um, that's so really it's like weird. certain things. Okay. Um, and my attention span sometimes I'll jump from like topic to topic, but, um, it's like, I think it's going to be a lifelong struggle to mm. overcome it. I don't think, I think I'm going to continue to notice effects of the injury. Uh, but I'm really happy with how far I've come as of now. So I'm appreciating it more than, you know, dreading on the negatives. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Good for you. That's nice. Wow. Wow. A anyway, I didn't, we, I didn't even write that down in our notes and stuff like that. I didn't even know that about you, but yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's really like, you notice that it's gr like numbers of three. Like, yeah, it's just like any list of three. I have what? trouble remembering like three Whoa. things. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um. So, what about photography? Have you done that forever, or um, how long have you been interested in that? Um, that was more of a recent interest. Oh, I, cool. I kind of grabbed. I took a photography class in my undergraduate um education, and it was film photography. And I just I fell in love with it. I thought it was so interesting. And you didn't you couldn't rely on technology telling you what to set your shutter speed to, what to what to set your ISO number to, you had to kind of do it all yourself. Mm -hmm. And I liked that challenge. Um, and then I kept taking them. So I developed a minor in photography when I was an undergrad, not that minors, I don't think minors do anything at all, but I just was interested in it. So mm -hmm. I acquired it. Um, and then I, I kept continuing it. And then I decided to add it to my book because it works well with poetry. I mean, most people hate poetry and most people don't understand. So I figured maybe they'll understand the picture with it. Yeah, I definitely have some questions about that because I, you know, I'm I'm a college dropout and I'm you mm -hmm. know professional musician by trade and uh, I took a couple poetry classes in um in college and it was uh 
on on one hand, I like you said, I just didn't get it. But on on the other hand, by the end of the class, I was like, oh, I get what this is. So um, that maybe that's one thing I can ask you right now. Um, can you give us um, your own coherent definition of what poetry is? Like, and one of those things I thought about is, you know, is it just you know it when you see it, or is it does it have a an actual definition? But what is that to you? Um, honestly, I would classify poetry as anything. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not limited. That's why it's so hard to give people guidance and stuff when writing poetry, because anything goes, I hate the really strict poetry with the forms like sonnets and, Mm. you know, iambic pentameter. It's just ridiculous. I think it's unnecessary. Uh, (laughs) my personal, (laughs) my personal definition of poetry for myself would be saying the most with the least amount of words, Mm. um, which is kind of what Twitter's like too so yeah yeah that's cool yeah i actually see that you you, you that you use tw- twitter pretty effectively and i don't know if, mm-hmm. like you know people uh i don't know you could say arguing you could say debating you could say speaking your mind but um how long have you been on twitter first of all about two years two so years. not not very long yeah, yeah 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 just a year and a half for me and yeah so i i, I don't know i see you, you comment on stuff and speak your mind and that that's actually a oh, good yeah, point I'm, that it, i'm super active on there cool. I go to a lot of what uh have you ever gone into one that's um like really long like you know um 40 50 replies long because i've seen these ones that are oh yeah you know 48 people will be tagged and it'll just like like definitely yeah Um, okay yeah i commented something on it was a bernie sanders tweet and Uh i don't even know why i do that because most of the people who read those and reply to those are predominantly very liberal, but mm-hmm. I just often feel the need to like, when I see them, you know what, this is wrong. I'm going to comment on this. And so a whole bunch of people just start commenting and commenting and like, I'll get it for weeks, weeks. Um, but honestly, <laughs> it's surprising because there are actually a lot of people who agree. So then it turns into not really my debate and everybody else's. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I've not, I haven't gotten into really long ones. I guess they've been, but one of my things, I don't know if I should say this or like the trolls will come out, but I don't block people like um, no, me well, either. I'm yeah. super against blocking. Yeah. Yeah. I've been I've been blocked by a bunch of people. And what I, I'm blocked I, every day. Yeah. I'm just I big on ignoring. <laughs> yeah. If, if someone if someone is talking shit a bunch, I just ignore and walk away. But I do mm-hmm. like it when people get in on your own thread and it becomes like a new debate yeah, yeah and it, it's a- I, I swear i have people who follow me specifically so they can like all of the tweets that disagree with me okay or argue <laughs> with me on my own tweets <laughs> yeah you know it's funny uh we're, we're kind of talking about art and you're an artist i'm an artist and to me uh, the way i explain it to you know people like my dad who doesn't really use social media that it really is the most um comprehensive artist platform of all time not mm-hmm. just not twitter but just the internet because it involves spoken word and involves video music you can draw on there you can write poetry yeah. on there so it's basically just a palette for you know any art you want so it's fascinating I mean, it could also it suck is. suck your life away but if you oh yeah at, le- yeah at least every day it sucks a little bit away but then <laughs> you see something and you get it back <laughs> yeah like yeah. it's great you can have a hundred disagrees but then you get one person who's like thank you and yeah. you're like oh. Yes. <laughs> and that's it's true. That's also true about any art. You know, you could like, you know, you got some bricks behind you right now. You could write a poems about bricks all mm-hmm. day. You, someone could yeah. spend. No, I, I mean, I have tons of useless poems. Yeah. That, like I have a, literally a poem about a leaky faucet. Yeah. Cool. And, and people just read super into it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's <laughs> subjective. So you think what you want. That's great. You're right. <laughs> yeah. 
And I'm a um, I'm a rapper too. So like mm-hmm. what you know, that's an exercise you do when you started to learn how to rap is you would just pick the thing in front of you and and try to make up your best. 16 to 24 bars on like a calculator or your ID and it's it's a good exercise but you could spend all day mm-hmm. doing it so it's not unique to the internet you know yeah and yeah that's cool yeah so everyone should definitely follow you on on Twitter out there uh, it's linked in the show notes and um let me ask the same thing about photography because you know I, I one of the the this show is called call me ignorant and one of the purposes is I want to learn about things that I've never really thought about before mm-hmm. you know but I got this phone I take a picture and what physically is photography? Like what it like the first is it I know it has something to do with light and like a copy of the light. And but what is a coherent uh, definition of photography as well? So um, it kind of like for my camera, it reflects off of a mirror mm-hmm. and then captures the image. But I think the whole point of photography is not necessarily to capture a moment, but to capture a moment with the mood that you want people to see. Mm. So like um, the cover of my book, for example, uh, that was taken in uh, Savannah, Georgia, I believe. Um, and it was hard to, like, it was it was a sunny day. It was bright out. And I had to make it appear like a gloomy image because yeah. it fits the tone of my book. I want people to all get the same feeling when they look at the images. I don't want it to be a subjective type of thing. With poetry, it's subjective. So whatever you interpret the poem as is right. That's mm. That's correct. Um, with photography, it's more as forcing the viewer to see something specific mm. or to feel a certain way. It's almost like a movie. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah. That, yeah. That, I, I've never really try, tried it. I mean, I've definitely tried to read, uh, to write poetry and stuff like that, but I've never uh, tried to like study the theory of photography and go out with a mm-hmm. camera. I, I think I will. I, th- I, I, I go, think definitely you should. Yeah. yeah. I go on hikes. If, and even stuff if you like start that, with yeah. your phone, like my okay. Instagram, I have a lot of photography on there. I use my phone for all of it. I don't use any like actual pictures on my Instagram, mm. except my, my sister's graduation pictures are on there. I took those. Those are with a camera, but everything else is just from my phone and I use Snapseed. It's the best editing app on Okay. Apple. It's free. It's great. Yeah. So the, I read one thing uh, written down. I mean, like as a, a, you know, a multifaceted artist and stuff like that. Do, do photography and poetry, you just explain kind of the difference between the two. Do they stimulate mm-hmm. two different creative muscles for you? Do you think about them differently or do you kind of, do they intertwine? Like, how do you think about them in a creative way? Um, I would say, yeah, I think about them very differently. Okay. Um, poetry like i if i'm thinking about poetry i can't think about photography um Mm. if i'm doing photography like all of the poems in my book have a picture to go along with them or most of them do and none of them were meant to go together like i just piece them together because they just they don't i i can't cross paths with that um that being said my my poetry language is very visual i use a lot of um visual imagery in my poetry Mm. um so I suppose the poetry more so would cross over into the photography aspect of things. But photography is more like math and science than you, you'd think it would be because mm. there's all these numbers you have to memorize and all these settings on the camera that you have to work with. Um, and then editing per photo is probably a good two to three hours. I mean, it's, it's an extensive process. I use Photoshop and it's just everything takes like 45 minutes, like even just one small thing. Whoa, <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, it's, it takes forever. Well, what, what specifically is it? Yeah. What specifically takes forever to do? So, um, I'm like a perfectionist when it yeah. comes to photography. So I zoom in to the pixels and I highlight every single pixel that I want to change. 
Um, oh. That takes forever. And sometimes it makes you feel a little dizzy when you're like looking at the pixels that closely. But um, it's just it gives you the best effect. Okay. Gotcha. Well, yeah, it's like so that's kind of like audio editing or whatever where you can mm-hmm. like zoom yeah. in on something and just chop it and affect it for hours. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that, that can uh, that's a double edged sword to the perfectionism thing because you want to get it perfect. But, you know, you could spend weeks and weeks on one thing and you want to release. Oh, absolutely. It. Yeah, that's what I've always struggled with in music is, you know, you need to release it sometime. And that's why I like doing things live because it mm-hmm. frees me from. You know, that's not an option. I, I can right. lo- load up what I want to do beforehand and get my effects right. But once you hit it never record, goes it, that way. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. And yeah, there's no such thing as perfection and you want it in mm-hmm. your brain. And it's yeah, it's 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 the artist struggle. That's really what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Have you read um The War of Art before? No, I've not. Oh, you should read that book. So what it is, it's about um basically uh it's about this whole struggle where, mm-hmm. um you know, the, um, the artist's job is to um it's basically, I don't know, it doesn't get too religious, but it's basically to channel the spiritual realm and overcome resistance so you can mm. get work done. So it's, you know, overcoming resistance. So like that, you you know how there's that thing in creation where you get in your own way, like whether it's your thoughts or your schedule. And be- mm. the best thing to really do is do da- a daily practice to, yeah. to get your art done. But yeah, The War of Art is a wonderful book that sums that whole process up. And oh, it's, have it's to short look into too. it. Yeah, I love reading. I really, read really good. Time. Yeah, so I'm I um now I'm into like science studies, like cool. scientific studies. That's nice. like my new thing. Sweet. <laughs> cool. Um what about um other written stuff? Do you have you dabbled in, I don't know, writing novels or journalism or anything like that? Have you done anything any other writing? Um yeah, uh, originally I was I wanted to pursue journalism in undergrad. Okay. Um but then I thought this is a waste of my money. Um <laughs> <laughs> I figured I can always write on the side if I want to. Okay. So I have written some letters to the editors. Um, they've been published. Like w- my most recent one was on conversion therapy um, and minors. Wow. And that was published in the Scranton times. Um, so that was good. And then I also have done proof editing, which is looking through books of poetry or, you know, history books or whatever, and fixing all of the grammar in there. Mm. And then I also edited, um, which is, different from proof editing the aspect of you're creating the book yourself the whole book um and you make all of the decisions and somebody else proof edits oh and i did that with a history book so i created like a 300 page history book from scratch um that's also available internationally but it's it's very expensive because it took you know we had to get like professional paper for color because there were images in it um and that took probably close to two years to to complete entirely wow well that's what is the name of that uh, 150 year Keystone College. Oh, cool! So it's like a kind of an academic book. Yeah, it's an yeah. academic academic book. history mm-hmm. book. Cool! Wow, that's really cool. How how much is it? I I never know how much those things are. Yeah, it's about forty five dollars. Okay, um, all right, that's not too so bad. I I've, I've seen ones that are like a thousand that are like entire. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. that are I mean, um that. <laughs> so forty five bucks. All right, sweet. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah cool. So um. I don't know. So do you uh, have you tried to like write uh, non I mean, not excuse me, not non uh, fiction novels or like sh- short stories or anything like that? Yeah, um, I when I was editor in chief of the literary magazine at my undergraduate school and um, I, pu- I published a lot of uh, like not uh, short stories in there. Okay. And eventually I would like to get another book of poetry out. And then after that, I would like to try for a novel. I have a whole idea uh, for my novel that I'm leaning towards and 
but I want to be completely out of this poetry phase. Mm. It takes a lot to transition from poetry to novel writing because my poems are so short. I won't allow like one of my poems to go over a page yeah. because I don't even want to read a poem that long. <laughs> I really don't. Like Walt Whitman, I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah, yeah, sure. I got some Walt Whitman, yeah. I read yeah. like I the first line, I hear America singing and I just, I close it. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I, I really don't. Nobody is going to sit there and read an entire page of poetry. So I try to keep it short, sweet, and to the point. Mm. Yeah. Um, so then novel writing is about adding so much filler and so many details that it's, it's just lengthy because mm. people want that from a novel. Um, so I'm going to transition to short stories and then I'm going to transition to novel writing. Mm. So like, that's interesting how, um, a lot of an art is knowing what you don't like. You know, you talk about Walt Whitman, who's like, you know, regarded as one of the great poets of all time. And, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you know what you don't like about him. So you kind of adopt your own thing. And that's the same way I feel about like, you know, the Beatles. I love the Beatles, but there's certain things they do that I don't like. So I try right. to steer the other way. And I don't know. Um, I know we're going to move on to talking about your book pretty soon. Um, but what was the process of getting your own book published like? Did you work through another publisher? Was it independent? Like, what was that whole thing? It was like, uh, through another publisher. Okay, gotcha. um, and it, so I, I was working on this book my senior year of undergrad, as well as being like a resident assistant. So that I managed over 50 residents. Uh, it was a lot of work. I mm. mean, it was, it was a lot more work than I expected. It's not just write poems and then throw them together. <laughs> yeah. um, there, there's so much thought that goes into it and so much time. I mean, I, there was one time where I was literally sitting in my room and I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not getting this done. And I didn't even tell friends or anything until right before I knew it was going to be published because it wasn't a guarantee. Like I had no idea it was going to be published the way that it was. Um, so I, I like, I'm, I am, I'm a pretty private person. So when it comes to things like that, I keep it to myself until I know it's going to happen. Um, it, it, I think adding it to my studies as well as, my job and everything was just too much. Like I would not do that to myself again. I would want to wait until I'm out of school to do another book. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. That, the reason I laughed is because I'm the exact opposite. Like as soon as I get an idea or, or like, I think something's going to happen. I just like tell all my friends I'm like, yo, uh, I'm doing a book. And I've told a lot of people I'm doing a book. I don't have a book. Like, <laughs> so yeah, that, that, it seems like there's two types. There's the ones that save it. Cause they know that, I don't know. It does something psychological to you when you, you right. know, spill the beans too early and it seems like saving it is better. And I, I'm, and then everyone's <laughs> like, Hey, yo, where's the book? Yeah, and you're, you're like, like oh. uh, <laughs> uh, different thing on to the next thing, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in the beginning of your book, in the acknowledgement section, you, uh, thank someone for giving you deadlines, which helped you mm -hmm. finish the book. Um, that, that's one of the reasons I thought of the book, the war of art, because it talks mm -hmm. about uh, that. Can you talk a little bit about the um, importance of deadlines when working on a piece? So I'm somebody who needs deadlines. Yeah. If I don't have deadlines, I'm not going to do it. Like, it's not precedent for me then. So my capstone advisor, her name was Dawn. She helped me create deadlines for myself because I wanted to, I had to get it done by a certain time um, in order for it to be published. So I would have so many poems to write a week and then so many pictures to edit a week because most of my pictures were already taken. Um, but they needed to be edited, which is the hardest part, I think. And if I didn't have the deadlines, I, re I, I, it wouldn't have come together at mm. all, really. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not somebody who can just say, okay, by the end of the year, I'm going to have 65 poems and 
35 pictures and it's going to be great and it's going to come together. I'm not going to do it. Wow. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. definitely, yeah, it's having some, some kind of external pressure is really important, but mm-hmm. not too much. I mean, you can't, because you still have to enjoy it. You still have to like, right. like what you're doing and it's just all that artist balance. You know, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah, it was definitely, it was very challenging at times because I, I wanted to dislike poetry. I was mm. getting to the point where I don't even want to think about it anymore. I'm never going to write again, <laughs> but I don't know. You get through it. It's like a love. So it, you always go back to it. I think you find yourself writing uh, poems like for enjoyment these days. Um, oh, you, absolutely. You still do yeah, it? That's okay. all I write for right now okay, because I, I wanted to take a break from strict deadlines and writing specifically for a cause. Um, and then I'll submit to literary magazines and, you know, whether or not they publish them. I've had a few of separate poems published as well. Um, that's, it's, it's more for fun right now. I need to not take it so seriously. Cool. Yeah. So, so did you, so did you have an inspiration for this book before you started, started it, or is it more a compilation of poetry you've worked on for a while? Did you have an, like an original inspiration or, you know, subject matter for this, this book? Uh, no, I don't think, I don't think so. Um, my poetry all kind of has a similar tone to it. Yeah because it's just my writing style. It's a little bit dark. Um, yeah, for sure. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it, it did all fit together pretty nicely. But I, when I first started leaning towards doing a book, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was just, I really, in a way, kind of put it together as I was going through my poems, as I was sorting through them, putting them in order. Um, I, it was just, there, there was no rhythm to that part mm-hmm. of it. Cool. That's why and none of my poems are titled either because I hate titles. All right. Um, <laughs> Sweet. So it was hard to title my book even. Okay, cool. And Angel's Trumpet, I think it says in the back of the book, Angel's Trumpet is a flower, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah it's cool. a very deadly flower. It's toxic. So if you eat it, you will oh. die. Oh, all right. <laughs> and I loved it. I was like, this sums my whole book up. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So yeah, let's talk about like this the story of your of your your poem. I th- like I want to let you like I, I was gonna kind of preface it or whatever, but I want to hear it from you. And we talked a little bit on on Twitter about it, but tell the story about how that was received at your college and that whole thing. So um, originally, there there was the head of the music and arts department. He was the one who was putting on this whole festival for music and arts at the college, and he had sent. Um, the head of the communications department, a, an email saying, can you send me your best poets? Because we need poets for this. We need, cause it's, you know, it's art. So, um, she then sent my name along with, I think two other poets. And he then said, I, I'm going to need you guys to send me the poems you're going to read just so I can, you know, look them over or whatever. And originally I was like, this is ridiculous because why am I sending you a poem to look over? You know, it's a college. It's not, it's not an elementary school. And, but I did it. I sent them to him. So he then emailed the head of the communications department and said, yeah, all, all the poems are good. They're fine. They're good to go. And so then I was shopping in King of Prussia mall with my sister and I got an email saying from him saying, you know, your poem is just not acceptable. It cannot be read in, in front of anyone. And, um, He's like, you need to pick another poem. And I said, I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, and he wanted to call me originally. And I said, I'm not talking on the phone because there's no proof of this. I want it all documented in email. I'm not doing that. Um, and I did that because I knew I would need proof because my word against his word, my word wouldn't have been believed. So I then took it above 
both people, like above the communications person and above him to his superior. Mm. And I essentially said, you know, the school gets federal funding. So I'm pretty sure you want to abide by the constitutional rights and freedoms that we have. We're entitled to that. And so they kind of took the privileges away from him for running the arts and music fair. He has to now have a whole panel of people uh, to run the, the festival, not just himself. He can't make those decisions anymore. Um, and really it was because of the political undertone in the, in the poem. He didn't agree with it. Mm. So, I mean, I expected that a little bit. <laughs> that's, that's why I chose such a controversial poem when yeah. he asked to send the poem. Cause I was like, well, you're going to ask me to send it. I don't agree with this. I'm going to send you my most controversial one. Good. Yeah. Uh, Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then, you know, I was, asked to read at the arts fair again and i i turned them down i said i'm not going to support an event like this mm. so do you, uh, do you do you feel good about that decision or do you wish you would have uh read it anyway to i don't know there's a whole uh you know there's multi levels to that debate of like like do you fight something from the inside do you boycott it do you do your mm -hmm. own thing so do you have any regrets there do you wish you would have done uh, gone ahead I don't think I have any regrets there because I actually um, arranged a poetry reading later, uh, like a week or two after that for the literary magazine that I was editor of. And I then prefaced this poem with this story and talking about how it was censored. Mm. And I read the poem in front of everybody with a bigger audience. So I was happier doing that. I thought it was like more of a, you know, more of a statement because if I was to go and support his event and be there and read it would it would be benefiting him yeah not, not so myself so then i i figured i'm going to do this in a different event and quote it and um explain the situation and read my poem anyway right yeah so do you think so do you think i don't know um i don't know there's a lot of angles we can go at this and, and things i can ask you but like so do you think this was mainly his personal beliefs or pressure from I don't want to say on high, but you know that you know, I don't know the numbers and you know, like I said, college dropout. But mm -hmm. I know that um, most professors, at least in art and art and music and stuff like that, lean left or at least would be um, would be pro-choice. Do you think that was just like a personal decision of his, or he was uh, afraid of you know professional reper repercussions or what? Um, see, I, he had said that his superior told him not to allow that to be okay. read. But I talked to his superior, mm. um, so I really do think it was kind of his personal beliefs. You're good. Um, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. you documented <laughs> the whole this, thing. Yeah. This was like my biggest issue for like two weeks. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it, I, I think it was definitely him and okay. his personal beliefs. Yeah. So he he read the poem. He's like, you know, I don't either. I don't agree with this, or uh, this is offensive. And mm -hmm. he decided to, you know do something about it basically yeah yeah and okay. i think that's also why he went behind the back of the communications department person because uh he told her that all the poems were good to read they're fine and then he emailed me privately separate and said you're not reading this <laughs> you know well yeah it's kind of shady so i mean before we uh before we uh talk about it some more can you read the poem right now actually yeah sure yeah I let's do it. it i even have it open here can you tell me the page number it's page 17. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so all of my poems are kind of titled by the first line of the poem. So it would, it would be, you gave her an improper burial. Um, you gave her an improper burial. 
She deserved a small redwood-stained bed, laced with dandelion white satin and plush pillow to forever cradle her motionless head. She deserved this. Yet she still, she lies still in a bucket of medical waste. She was worthy of parents draped with sorrowful tears cascading down their flushed, boiled cheeks as they carried her redwood coffin to the olive-black hearse gleaming with shimmer from Earth's light. She was worthy of those parents, and she was given parents who wore relief on their faces the day she was taken. She deserved a proper burial, but she also deserved life. Okay. So, um, do you think, okay, what, okay, do you think it's the subject matter itself or a specific line in that uh, poem that was found offensive or censor worthy, if that's a word? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, see, I went back and forth on why they decided to censor it. And I'm very careful with the wording in my poems. I don't use profanity. Mm -hmm. Not that that should be censored anyway, because that's just evolution of language. Um, nothing was really morbid. I mean, okay, it was the whole it was morbid, but it wasn't gory or, right. you know, gruesome like that in that sense. Um, I, I kind of think it was the generalized topic. Um, a lot of people don't share my belief with this subject, especially at that school. It was, it was an artsy school. So most people don't, I, I mean, I don't know a single other artist personally who has, right-leaning beliefs hmm. yeah yeah I, I, I don't know about i don't know if i have maybe one but i know hundreds and i and it's like maybe i'd know two or three musicians right. that i know that have uh, that lean right um so mm -hmm. what's interesting is okay so when um yeah i'm very interested in this so so when uh this professor actually emailed you did how did he word the did you say you're not going to read this this isn't allowed this is too edgy. What did he actually say? Um, he, he tried to be polite about it. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't take it that way, though, obviously. Yeah. He just said, um, this really isn't appropriate okay. to be read publicly. Um, he didn't say he what part, select... though. He didn't say, he like... Didn't say, no, he did okay. not say what part. Okay. Um, so that's that's why I kind of guessed it was the whole thing or the, the undertone of the poem. Um, and I found out later that he was very democratic. Mm -hmm. So that kind of made, you know, just added to it. Um, and so originally I waited even to respond. I didn't even respond to him. I, I, I went to the communications person first mm -hmm. and I spoke with her about everything. Uh, and then I went to his superior. So I didn't really even, and, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't even speak to me uh, in person or anything about it. He actually also went to his superior and was like, I think she's attacking me. And <laughs> oh. so we need to, yeah. we need to retire that word. That word attack <laughs> is so misused. And the words it's attack very much the, the words attack and hate are oh, two right, of the, right. yes. <laughs> the most overused uh, or least misused words. Um, so what do you think would have happened if, uh, I mean, no one has a crystal ball or whatever, but what do you think would have happened if it would have been way more vulgar way more explicit but had come from a pro-choice standpoint honestly i think it probably would have been able to be read yeah um, really yeah definitely okay. definitely but they're see the, the pro-choice standpoint they're very very careful with their words um mm. you know that which is why they divert a lot of their subjects but like they say fetus instead of baby or they'll say um pro-choice instead of pro-abortion they're very careful so i don't think that they could possibly really make it gory or, or gruesome um so i i think it i don't think there would have been any issues mm. 
if that were the case. I, uh, I'm going to butcher this right now, but I saw a thing, I think, from the New York Times the other day where they called it um, – they called a fetal heartbeat something like uh, – I don't remember what it was called. A like convulsion. Something, something like that. Like yeah. A, yeah. And I was like, know. oh, man, <laughs> you know what you're doing. Like <laughs> They're really good with, with avoiding the actual subject. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, which is not, it's really poor. It's horrible for our country because it's dividing us a lot more. If we don't, if we can't talk about the actual issue and use the terminology that's legitimate and we keep yeah. using other words to justify something, we're not getting anywhere. We're right. not going to, we're not going to expand past this. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a real debate at that point. If if you can't no. agree on a, a term or a word, it's you know um, that actually makes me think of something. A, a couple of weeks ago, I, I moderated a debate on another on the generational gaps channel on mm -hmm. YouTube, and the whole um, resolution of the debate was that the nineteen thirteen Webster's Dictionary would be more useful and accurate in in solving political disputes than the current one, and you know, it really. Um, the debate didn't go poorly, but that's what a lot of the um, debates that go on are is like, what is the meaning of this word? Like when right. and, and when both sides, I don't know, I feel like one side, um, whether it be right or left, just won't agree to the other person's mm -hmm. term. And so nothing yeah. can happen. And very that's why, like confusing. in the beginning, it's important to get if, you know, you, it's tedious and it's annoying to have yeah. to do. But you you lay out the terms that you're going to use and you find a common ground definition uh, mm. for both of those for all of those terms um like you know like fetus for example a lot of people on the left say it's not a baby it's a fetus um well you know before the 1800s latin and greek terminology was used because it was scholarly and because you can replace up to five english words with one latin root word mm. um and it's universal everybody knows latin and for medical so it leaves for less confusion. And most people don't know that the etymology of the word fetus is actually, it means small child. That's, that's what it translates to. Mm. Um, it's Latin for small child. So it's, it takes a lot of getting to explain this is what this word means. And then you get into a whole nother debate. Like, no, it's not. It's now, it's now something different. Like, no, it doesn't change into its antonym. That's not feasible. You can't do that. <laughs> like, mm. Wow, that's a really good point. Yeah, and I've 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 heard a quote before that's like um, one of the most dangerous uh, phrases in the world is "things will be different this time," you know. Mm -hmm. So, and we live in a modern world, but you know, when did that start? I mean, you know, the definition of modern, like you know, in tw twenty seconds from now, it's going to be more modern than it is right now. But right. certain things don't change, and um, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's it's. We live in a time that it's 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 very confusing and, and very polarized, and it's hard mm -hmm. to know how we're going to get out of it. Um, yeah, it's it, 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 even if that's even, that may not even be the point. We might, you know, n at no point did every, anyone get out of you know right progress yeah, of I think words. We're, and we're stuff. always going to be polarized over one particular issue. Right yeah. now, I think it's more so abor abortion is kind of, and healthcare. Abortion and healthcare are kind of the two big topics mm. um, that yeah. that are dividing our country, but. Um, when they're solved, or if they're ever solved, there will be something after that. We're always going to be divided on the issue, but it's just learning how to communicate effectively to where we can both listen to the other side and reach a commonality. Um, I know a lot of like Bernie Sanders is on a kick lately saying there is no common ground in like every single tweet he posts. Yeah. And um, do you think that's him? Do you think really that's him posting those tweets? No, no I don't. Staff or whatever. Yeah. Um, whomever it is, is just really probably should be fired <laughs> but uh <laughs> if you say things like there is no common ground we can't find a common ground you're never going to get anywhere nothing is going to be solved that's that's 
forcing a bunch of beliefs that a lot of people don't want on them. Um, like recently, his Twitter page had said he's, you know, if he is able to pass uh, Medicare for all, he is going to make it so taxpayer dollars are going to fund abortion um, or a portion of taxpayer dollars. So that's now, I mean, in this country of the freedom to practice any religion you so choose. So if you are strongly against abortion because of your religion, why are you being forced to put your tax dollars into something that you're firmly against because of that? That's not freedom of religion, in my opinion. Um, so you get into a lot of iffy territory when you're when you're saying there's no common ground. This is what we need to do. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. So so you talked uh, for a second about so you didn't uh, you didn't read the book at the, at the book fair, but then you did your own private reading afterwards. Um, mm -hmm. What what happened after that? Did it kind of just go away? Did you ever hear from this professor again or was there any like fallout from it or anything like that? <sighs> no, I, I um I had heard from one of his students. Uh, I, I never had him as a teacher. It was a music teacher, I think. I had never had him, but one of his students actually started a little bit of an argument with me because she thought I was in the wrong for saying something instead of just choosing something else to read. And I said, you know, it, it doesn't come down to what specific poem to read. It comes down to the fact that this, I'm probably not the first person this has happened to. This music and arts fair has been going on for a long time poetry often is controversial or it's gory or it includes really dark matter so there's no way i'm the first one there's no way i'm going to be the last one i'm not going to sit back and allow this to happen over and over again because why am i going to take my own freedoms away from myself I, you know if i subject myself to that that's what i'm doing i'm weakening myself i'm not doing that that's a good point yeah so you're like fighting that's great right. yeah it's really really cool uh great um so we had a question from the chat over here. Um, so someone says, um, why do you think artists uh, tend to lean left? Is it because of their le the level of emotion required to be a good artist? Uh, what is your thought on that? Yeah, I think uh, the level of emotion would be a pretty good guess. Uh, oftentimes when I hear arguments on the left, they're, they're very emotional. And now I do hear emotional arguments from the right as well, because right. if we really had no caring at all about any issues – we probably wouldn't be fighting them. Yeah. Um, but for the left arguments, um, emotion kind of clouds the logic and the reasoning. And they want to make everybody happy rather than doing what's best for the most amount of people. Mm. Um, so I think that would have to, that would have to be a big chunk of it. But I also think that art professors and, and it goes back to education as well. Um, they're all pretty left leaning. So when you're taking, when students are taking classes with these authority figures and they're learning more left leaning opinions, they're going to develop more left leaning opinions. Um, there's always a way to prove your point, even if your point is wrong. Like if you're very eloquent with your speech, you probably can convince a lot of people to adopt your beliefs. Hmm. Good point. And, and I and I just to kind of expand on that, I th I think that it's uh I mean this is not th through all of history that it hasn't been all, mostly left leaning. I mean mm -hmm. the, the culture goes in swings, and since the late sixties mm -hmm. and early seventies, the um the cultural institutions uh, became uh, bigger, more controlled by the left, and also bigger business. So you know Hollywood and academia became like a huge business, and basically the cultural institutions are controlled by the cultural left. And have been for at least 35, 40 years at this point. So um, it's a it's a thing of cultural influence. And I think the 
you know, that part of your brain is a little more, you know, I mean, I was a Bernie Sanders supporter as early as uh, like 2015. You know, I was so but that was before I really thought about politics that right. much. And um, I was always one of the biggest artists, you know, like not like I wasn't an artsy kid in high school and stuff, but I was always mm-hmm. a rapper and a musician and stuff like that. And there's just uh, something about you want like everyone to be free, man. You just want like mm-hmm. everyone like. Yeah. You know? So I think that's but it's just the cultural institutions, especially like you said, academia. Um, it's mm-hmm. a it's a huge like Titanic going through the sea of culture. Exactly. Yeah. And in response to that, too, I think a lot of people um, tend to think that giving everything for free or adopting these left leaning beliefs is uh, a sense of freedom. When in Mm. reality, if you look at the big picture, it's limiting freedoms, really, Um, you know, especially in regard to speech, the freedom of speech, you know, and limiting hate speech, whatever the definition of that is. And um People think that's going to make the world better, but in reality, when you're limiting what somebody can say or do to that extent, you don't. What, what part of life do you have? You don't have basic freedoms anymore. Mm. Yeah, and and it's and it's like I think you know I I'm kind of a, a knowledge guy and a facts guy, and you know mm-hmm. I sometimes the the naive part of me thinks that if people just had the right knowledge and facts, it would change a lot. And if there was one piece of knowledge I want people to know is that there's literally no such thing as free. So when you say right. there's free health care, even free freedom, it, it all comes at a price. So there's no such thing as free, even the air we breathe and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So if if, you know, we talked about common definitions and stuff like that earlier. And if, you know, I could get into a debate with someone on whatever side and the minute they start saying we need free stuff and it's just like that's not possible. It's never mm-hmm. uh, two things are, 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 are untrue. There's no uh, I mean, there's no such thing as free and there's no such thing as equal. There's no such thing as equal. I completely agree. So, so if, you know, if, if I could approach someone on that, you know, but the, the free stuff thing, that's kind of a mob mentality thing. I feel like (laughs) it's just like, it becomes a buzzword cliche and you get to say it, you get to mob up online or whatever else. It reminds me of like middle school presidency, you know, like (laughs) I want, I want free chicken nuggets all day long for all the students. That's kind of what I think of when I, when I look at, the democratic platform currently (laughs) yeah i was uh i was teaching one of my students and i i asked her about um just what she was doing in school and she said that they have like mock debates i think she's in seventh Mm -hmm. grade and they uh um i think the two of the ones she's talking about was abolish homework and abolish the senate and I was like, holy shit, you're talking about a bot. This is where they get the shit from. Like you, yeah. they get a really early sixth, seventh, eighth grade and you get these mock debates of you want to abolish the Senate and you get to just take that stance. Not that you shouldn't be allowed to, to take that stance, but, right. um, you know, it, it's called mock debate for a reason, you know, like, yeah. and, and at, at what point do they intercept these kids and say, hey, that was kind of a joke. Let me tell you why the Senate actually exists and why there is actually homework. And mm-hmm. let me tell you why you're going to keep having those things. I'm, <laughs> I'm honestly, I'm convinced that a lot of the Democratic candidates go into elementary school classrooms and take notes mm. on what these kids want, like for free. Mm. And then they apply it to the whole world. Mm. And it's so, like, you know, we're getting to, to an age where, you know, you know, I guess this has always been true. Everyone was a kid once. But if you were a kid in the 80s and 90s at this point, you were schooled in these Mm -hmm. elementary schools and this way of talking, this way of speaking. And it's uh, it's like a two, three generational thing. And it's really Mm -hmm. scary. It is. The the way education is going is is very scary. Um, I'm afraid it's going to be completely nationalized eventually, which 
is it's I mean it's horrible the the nationalization of the curriculum is is just it's teaching kids what to think and not how to think right yeah so you know you mentioned earlier that and that you're basically you know first of all pro-life and pro-choice I mean these are just two sides of an argument but what would you actually do um if you were to wave the magic wand what, what would you do about the abortion issue it's clearly an issue um where do you stand on what should be done by the government or by the culture well um I kind of would lean towards federalism in this aspect mm. to let the states decide. I think yeah. when you apply the same, which which is why I think Roe v. Wade was such a horrible decision. I mean, it's a horrible case as well. Norma McCorvey, she lied about everything. She was pro-life. She didn't even get the abortion. A lot of people don't even know that. Um, and the lawyers designed that case specifically to create a blanket legislation for the legalization of abortion because they weren't happy with the states deciding. Um, but the problem with putting a blanket statement over every state is that when you look at Georgia, for example, it is far different than New York. The laws that you apply to both of these states, they need to be different. Um, the people are different. The culture is different. That's why, you know, that's why you go on vacations. If everything was the same, there would be no point to traveling to different locations to experience different things. Um, yeah. So I think federalism would be the best case scenario as of right now, um, allowing the states to decide. And I think overturning Roe v. Wade is the best way to do that. Um, now, I don't think the Alabama legislature is going to overturn Roe v. Wade currently. Mm. Uh, I think it's too soon. And I don't think Kavanaugh specifically would vote to overturn it. He, he votes liberal about 40% of the time. Um, so I think this may in turn set the progression back a little bit. Um, wow. But I think people are so fed up with the laws like in New York and Virginia that there was there needed to be a radical push on the right side because mm. you know the right side couldn't just stand back and allow things to happen any longer it, it you know aborting up until nine months is just obscene yeah yeah it's yeah that's it's it, it's the that the, the things in new york and, and virginia spooked the shit out of me that was right. like yeah me too yeah, I, yeah. And, and when everything was lit up pink it was like oh my gosh I don't yeah to celebrate yeah yeah, I mean, I don't remember what was it in the night. It was safe, rare, and legal was like the. Yeah, I mean, they just completely got rid of the rare thing. Like when you see the pro-choice signs, it's like make abortion safe and legal. I'm like, where's the rare? Like, is this not? <laughs> yeah, and it's I don't know. Like I again, like I said earlier, it just be, be make a lot more. It would be more. It would make more sense to me, and it would be more palatable to palatable to me if we were just like these things are wrong. Mm -hmm. um, are you still willing to? Like I said, I mean, I said earlier too, I'm a Christian. So, I mean, all people sin, no one's perfect, right. everyone's fallible, but there's a difference between knowing that something's wrong and it's a sin and denying being proud, that it's be, be denying it's wrong and then being proud of it. Even right. Being yeah. Like, that's, that's, a, a, that's a horrible thing that we've come to as a society. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a whole argument now, well, if you don't make abortion legal, then 10,000 women are going to die every year because of illegal abortions because they're going, I mean, this statistic, um, it, it's completely made up. Mm. Uh, the guy who made it up, Bernard Nettenson, I believe it was, he was a pro-choice advocate. He worked at a pro-choice company and he later then admitted to fabricating the entire statistic. Mm. And he's actually, he was actually pro-life after that. Um, wow. the, the problem is that there's a lot of misconce misconceptions used as fear to persuade people into believing that, abortion is necessary it's 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 necessary and it's it's not you know it's just it's 
it's sad that that's the mentality that we've come across now. Um, even like the whole Roe v. Wade case, most people don't even know this was a whole lie mm. or it was created specifically to legalize abortion. Most people think that this case, you know, this girl was Norma McCorvey. She was raped and she needed the abortion. And that's the whole case. But none of it was true. Not a single part. She was pro-life until death, too. She never even got the abortion. And she was Roe. Wow, man. Yeah, again, knowledge. I mean, I just wish how I not. I wish I wonder how many people would be, you know, I don't know about converted. I mean, we're t- not talking about a religion here, but like how many people yeah. would come over to the other side or come closer to the middle or think about things differently um, if they just knew the facts of it. And, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a big um, misconception with facts. And I think media plays a big role in that, as well as a lot of people like like if you look at left uh, leaning politicians, Twitter pages, especially too, um, they like to spread a lot of lies, like saying women will be prosecuted for getting an abortion in Alabama. That's not true. That's complete. If you read the law, it actually says they will not be under any circumstance. Mm. So that's not true at all. Um, that's a big misconception floating around. That's making people terrified of the laws that are becoming in this country. Mm. Um, and, a lot of people are saying that a rapist is not going to go to jail for as long as uh, an abortionist for helping a woman. Um, this, you know, I think that rape is equivalent to murder in yeah. a sense because you're you're killing a part of a person, you mm. know, whether it's physical or not, you're killing a part of a person. Um, but that being said, our legal system does punish murder more than rape. And abortion is murder. So that's where that comes into play. Um, I think that's another misconception. Like if people had known that, and they can look at it from that point of view rather than the fear-driven uh, tactics that they're using right now. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's also like uh, like we said the um, if you make it illegal, then um, yeah, it's all about whether it's right or wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. Because that that if you make it illegal, then it's still going to happen. You know, that's also true for murder, and murder's illegal. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, um, on on one hand, you know. I just when I'm I don't know how where I'm at with like debating people on, all the time in Twitter, but I kind of try mm-hmm. to come over and use their language a little bit. Like, right. you know, the um, it, it is a fetus in that it's not outside of the woman's body mm-hmm. yet. But to say that it is the woman's body, that's just false. You know, it's completely it, false. It's if complete, it were the woman's yeah. body, then chances are the woman would probably be dead when the life was terminated. Mm. Um, if it were the same body. That's not the case. I mean, it's it's got its own DNA. It's yes. this is this is right scientifically there. proven. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, this and then, is, yeah, it's a depressing <laughs> one. Yeah. It, yeah. Right, it is. It's, yeah. it's horrible. And and I think another huge issue that we have is that this has become so easy to talk about. It shouldn't be easy to talk about. Regardless, it's it's mourning of a life. This mm. is a human life that we're terminating. Whether you're pro-choice or whether you're pro-life, we've got, become so adapted to just thinking this is a common subject matter that we don't care about human life we're losing we're we're losing our thought of what human life actually is and Mm -hmm. what it means and that it's just indisposable wow well yeah i guess we can kind of transition away from this one i mean it's definitely super depressing and it's also it's kind of it's depressing on the um the baby's level but also on that it seems like we're at an impasse you know it's very easy for you yeah it's very easy for us to have a conversation about it we tend to agree with each other but like when when there's yeah yeah that's i don't know what to do about it because like debate happens between politicians but it also happens between citizens and other people Mm -hmm. and the um 
the debates between politicians that's just pro wrestling right there that right, it's, it's it not yeah it's ridiculous so it's, if there's some way we can bypass that and get debates online or in person mm-hmm. i mean i, I, wanna... I think it's definitely extremely important to have these conversations mm. i think without getting a lot of people tend to get very hostile now and like yeah. name call or curse and yeah, as a means of getting their point across and that's what kind of makes both parties extremely angry i think it's very important to continue the conversation and have especially conversations with people you don't agree with mm. because that's the only way you're going to change things. If, mm. if you don't have the means to conversate about issues that you don't think are working within the country, then there's no way to change them without speaking on them. Yeah. And that, that you know, the end result of that is either like total balkanization and ostracism where you just, you know, that mm-hmm. I will, ne- you know, I never will that we have to build walls around every state or right. essentially open war. You know, or, mm-hmm. or secession, you know, that, you know, even if it's in 100 years, 200 years, that, that, that has happened to every single society in the history of societies. If, yep. they, if these kind of um, life and death issues become so polarized, it, it, it ends right. in, you know, war uh, or secession every single mm-hmm. time. Um, so it's, it's big business right there. Um, so I don't know. Well, I'm just going to ask you a couple more things and then we're going to okay. get out of here, but, uh, I don't know. It's been really good talking to you and, uh, it's been, I, yeah, it's been great. Yeah. Everyone should check, check out your work. If you want to send me other, any other links to any other things I can plug of yours, I'll put it in the show, show description and okay. people should buy your book and stuff like that. But just a couple more questions. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Sweet. So, um, what about, um, what about the 2020 elections? Um, do you have, uh, do you mind sharing what you're thinking you're going to do right now? Or, you know, we could talk about the dumpster fire of the Democrats for like a lot, but I'm assuming mm-hmm. that you're not going to vote Democrat since you're semi-conservative. But what are you thinking there? Uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely not going to vote Democrat as of right now. I, I don't see a candidate who even remotely believes what I think is right. Um, that being said, Donald Trump isn't necessarily the epitome of what I believe is right either. Mm. Um, it's kind of like it's like last election. It was a, it was a shitty situation. It's kind of a crappy situation now. But um, I, I lean more towards Donald Trump at the moment. There's no other. I don't think there's a Republican candidate opposing him. And if there were a Republican candidate opposing him, they wouldn't win. Right. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards him for now. Yeah. Um, and I probably will vote for Donald Trump. Yeah. But, uh, it's not fun. It's not fun to like. I, I'm probably not. the same way. And like I've been, what I've been asking uh, my people I interview is that if you say you like or dislike Donald Trump, that's like an on-off switch. And that's most right. people don't like Donald Trump. I'm yeah, one of those people. Yeah, I don't people. know anybody who actually does. Yeah, I mean, um, I know. But... Yeah, I know a ton of these like MAGA people on Twitter that you know, but half them don't even look like real people. They just it's just a hat and yeah, a couple just... X's and you know, um, but. Typing well, everything in caps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, if, on a so what I ask instead is on a, a zero to a hundred scale, hundred being like full MAGA. Where where are you on Donald Trump? I'm around a forty-two to a fifty-two. I was just gonna say about forty. Yeah, depending <laughs> on the day. 40. I want a, like a truly conservative candidate. I don't mm. even think most of his policies really aren't even conservative. Mm. Um, and then his, you know, I'm all for freedom of speech, but when you're representing a country, you know, there are repercussions to what you say, and I think he sometimes. <laughs> you know, lets a little bit of the immaturity slide in right. and, and forgets he's the president of the United States. <laughs> yeah. So that can cause for some issues. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. And I, you know, I, you know, if I had, you know, a gun to my head right now, I would probably vote for Donald Trump Um, mm-hmm. j- just because I truly believe, I mean, we just talked about, you know, abortion is one of the most important cultural issues, but I right. believe that, you know, 
75 to 80 percent of the of the issue is immigration and border mm-hmm. security. And um, right. whether that's um, com- people coming in or people or it also is related to the debt thing because of the, the welfare state and the war on drugs and uh, mm-hmm. criminal justice reform. And it's kind of like I don't see anyone that I like I said, I don't like this, but I don't see anyone I could vote for other than Trump. Right. And and if someone came along that was um, even a Democrat that was like, listen, immigration, uh, if he went if a Democrat, I don't know how it's possible, could come over the top and say, yo, immigration, freedom of speech, anti-war. Mm-hmm. I would listen to that person and I would probably I would vote Democrat. Well, yeah. yeah. And so um, it's that's one thing. I'm glad you said that because I want people on the left to understand that that these people that are going to vote for Trump are not a bunch of like MAGA people. They're like, Mm-mm. it's just these are the actual issues in front of us. It's and, just looking for the best option yeah. for the most amount of people. Yeah. Um, it's 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 a difficult situation. It's it's sad that we're in this predicament repeatedly. Um, mm. But I think another issue is there there aren't many people who can actually run for presidency because I mean, now the Democratic platform, everybody's running, but there aren't many people who can run because it's a wealth type of thing, um, mm. which is sad, but understandable as well. You need money to run. So, mm, yeah. What do you think about uh, voting third party? A lot of people I've talked to are voting third party and I don't th- I don't think they should. I mean, um, I mean unless I, I think it's like just a kind of a waste of a vote. Yeah. Uh, I understand why they would want to do that. Um, yeah, me but too. yeah. It would never work. That's the thing. Like people are so divided that they're going to go left or they're going to go right. Mm. Um, I think what the the percentage of independent voters in 2016 was what, 4.2 maybe, which is very high, which also is very low, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And and so when when someone's like, yeah, I'm going to vote third party, I'm going to vote libertarian. Not I mean, I basically am a libertarian if you're going to call me something. Um, But, you know, some people are talking about writing in people and it's like, I think you should just not vote then. You know, mm-hmm. or like get I a agree. small, I don't know. There, it's, there, it's, there's many, many philosophies about voting. Like, you know, you write in your name. Like I have a friend that's wrote, written in his, his own name for the last three elections, which <laughs> is kind of hilarious, but it's, you know, a wasted vote, like you said. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of a wasted vote as of right now. Hopefully in the future, maybe there can be a change for that. Um, but we're too divided to think of a third party. Mm, gotcha. Um, someone on the chat says it's that mindset that keeps a third party non-viable. Um, I, t- I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's mm, not in yeah, law. I do too. Yeah, it's not in law that it has to be um, a two party system. But yeah, mm-hmm. and, and uh, to add on to what this person said, like it's that mindset that keeps a third party not non-viable when it's enough people, you know, but that's the whole individualism. Right. Enough individuals, you know, make up a collective. And that's true. That's true. Yeah, um, I agree. What do you think about uh, the whole um, – I don't know if you've read up a lot on the social media censorship stuff like Facebook mm-hmm. bannings, Twitter bannings, um, debate about government regulation of social media. What do you think about that whole thing? Well, um, I don't know if you know much about the Communications Decency Act. No. Yeah, explain no. okay, it. So there's there's yeah. a Communications Decency Act and specifically Section 230, I believe it is, um, actually – talks about this in detail um so it encourages internet platforms to moderate offensive speech and the definition for offensive speech is um harassment you know incitement of violence uh, obscenity things like that um political conversations and political viewpoints typically generally do not fall under that category but platforms are tending to delete the political conversations they don't agree with um in, if that is the case, they're not a platform anymore. It's it's a publisher. Um, platforms, 
the difference is platforms don't actually have responsibility for what's posted on them. So if, if like for our conversation right now, we're talking on a platform. Hmm. If I were to say something that would incite violence against somebody, the platform would not be liable for that. I would be, and hmm. I would be in trouble for that. That's the same thing with Facebook or Twitter currently. But if Facebook and Twitter are going to be deleting certain people they don't like or deleting certain comments that they don't like that align with like a, a, a right-leaning belief or a left-leaning belief or whatever they may be deleting um they're picking and choosing which what they want to show which then it would be more of a publisher and mm. so then they would have to be more responsible for what's posted on it and i think that should be the case if they're going to pick and choose what's on their platform then they should be held responsible for what they're choosing to post because in that case, they are choosing what goes on there. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not a platform anymore. Right. If they're like deleting stuff or like even upranking stuff and, uh, that, right. you know, like, yeah, and that's what, you know, maybe a first good first step would be is if, if they just didn't mess with that, the timeline mm -hmm. of the algorithm. If it was just like, I really saw the most recent thing and the thing that really right. got the most likes is what you saw, depending on the system. That'd be nice. But do you that's think it. that, do you think that it's the, um, do you think that uh, I don't know, not like an amendment, do you, but like people are talking about that the government really needs to step in and either create its own social media, which I'm terrified by. Um, but like, what do you do you think there's like a big stroke solution to that or what you're explaining is basically if it was enacted think, in, 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 in uh, like what you're like, I've heard that debate before and I've heard mm -hmm. the, that language, but it seems like it's not being implemented in a, no, in a fair not. way. Yeah. I think that they should have to pick between publisher platform okay. right now they're kind of in the middle they're in limbo yeah. they um they're considered a platform they're not they're not getting any repercussions for what's on their websites um if they were to switch over to publisher which i think they're considered now or or having somebody decide whether or not they're publisher or mm. platform based off of what they've been doing uh that would be a good solution um i think if if they're going to choose to be publisher yes they should definitely be responsible i don't think there should be a government social media website because yeah i mean that's not going to be any different it's, we're going to be in the same situation so i think the um communications decency act does a pretty good job of explaining what to do in this circumstance mm. it's just that a lot of people don't really know what the communications decency act is mm. or what it's designed to do mm. so i think okay. uh, revisiting that and, and paying more attention to that would be probably the best option for right now yeah, gotcha. I don't think adding regulations is a really a great thing. Yeah, it's just enforcing this, the 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 one that's in place and educating people more and making sure mm -hmm. that it gets out. Okay, gotcha. All right, cool. We're gonna wrap things up uh, pretty soon. Uh, do you have any any pl any plans to start like a, your own website, YouTube channel, podcast, any other work online stuff like that? Um, yeah, I was uh, definitely interested in starting a YouTube channel, but I'm still on the fence, so I'm not sure if I'm going to do that mm -hmm. uh, right now. My main means of uh, debate or talk or whatever is twitter i'm on twitter a lot now yeah. um instagram for photography okay but other than that right now in like the near future not necessarily cool cool yeah i would definitely uh listen to a podcast or whatever yours uh, just you talking about art and kind of mm -hmm. your process and you seem like you get the whole artist struggle thing and it's pretty interesting yeah mm -hmm. um so last question uh, do you have any advice for aspiring artists poet poets writers photographers what advice would you give to younger people or even even yourself at you know 15 or whatever 18 you know i would say uh Unless you have a mentor who's more selfless, don't listen to any opinions anyone has about your work. Mm. Um, more often than not, 
everybody is going to dislike what you write. Mm. Everybody's going to dislike what you put out. And it's more, it's some of it is out of jealousy. Some of it is out of the fact that art is so subjective that it's hard to like something. I mean, like I, I hate reading poetry ironic because mm. i write so much of it i hate reading it interesting there are, like yeah. two poets i can read um, <laughs> who are they <laughs> yeah, who are uh, i like poets? emily dickinson okay gotcha and then i like some nyq authors new york quarterly books okay if you've ever heard of that no company. i don't know what that is um it's it's a whole company devoted to publishing okay. literary books um like there's a famous poet right now rapi core i'm not sure if you've heard of her no nah, no nah. um yeah, she just like takes average sentences and then splits them in parts, and it's like everybody's obsessed with it. I think it's atrocious. Uh, so poetry, <laughs> poetry is so subjective that nobody is going to like what you write, and you have to be willing to accept that and, okay. and not to take other opinions so personally because it's it's just it's going to bring you down. Hmm. Yeah. So just keep doing your thing. You're your own mm -hmm. artist, and yeah. Yep. And unless you, so you said unless you have a very selfless mentor. Yeah, that, that mm -hmm. said? like cool. I, I was blessed to have a mentor who actually wanted me to benefit my writing and who had a lot of knowledge about the topics. Um, mm. And that's how, you know, I've, I've become so much better at writing than I was years ago. Uh, I, I would consider my writing years ago mediocre and now I, I like it. So um, that that helps. A lot of times it's it's hard to find somebody who's able to act as that figure. Right. Yeah. You definitely shouldn't listen to everybody. Yeah. L no. Less is more there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right, sweet. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Why don't you, uh, all your information is plugged below in the show description. Why don't you uh, say where people can find you one more time and we're going to get out of here. Yeah. So um, on Twitter, my Twitter handle is Victoria Eremo uh, and that's E R E M O. Um, and then a uh, same thing on Instagram. It's just my name for everything. All right, sounds good. That was that was really cool. Victoria Rima, everybody. I want to thank everyone who came out and checked out uh, Call Me Ignorant today. Also, the ones who checked us out after today. You can find this uploaded to YouTube, BitChute, and FreedomScoop.com as a video, and Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. Podbean as a podcast. Follow me on Twitter at IgnoramusSteve. Send me an email at StephenIgnoramus at gmail.com. If you feel like supporting the show, you can send me some crypto, donate some lino points on DLive, send me a tip, pay, paypal.me slash StephenIgnoramus. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. My guest today was Victoria Irimo. She's the author of Angel's Trumpet. You can find that on Amazon.com in the show description. Have an informative day. Everybody inform yourselves. Goodbye. <laughs>